because honestly, I think one of the, the, the greatest resources to help with this issue is parents and grandparents and family members. Well, this is Pastor John. And this is Pastor Tim. This is the Every Moment His podcast, the podcast that we, we do together. Um, and today, what are we talking about? <laughs> We're talking about uh, cohabitation and, and what someone might do if they're in a cohabitation relationship mm-hmm. yeah. and have been convicted by the Word of God that they need to change. Yeah. So what do you do? Um, before we begin, do you have a joke? <laughs> uh, Dude, you, you're Googling it. I thought you were better than this. <laughs> do you want to start over? Sure. <laughs> just keep it on. We'll just. All right. Okay. All right. <laughs> this is a pretty good one, actually. All so right. Not all is lost. <laughs> all right. Oh, we got to set our timer that you don't like. I just don't like the ring. I can, can you hear it in the, I don't know. All right. So we'll find out. Hello, this is Pastor John. And this is Pastor Tim. And this is the Every Moment His podcast. That's right. That's what that funky music means. Coming straight at you from Kearney, Nebraska. You're in the right place. Epicenter of the universe. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. At least the geographic. In my world. Yeah. Yeah. So, by the way, uh, we have a visual timer that we use for our podcast. And uh, I use a visual timer with my kids so they don't freak out when <laughs> they have to clean something up. They yeah, know how much yeah, time. That's good. And, and this keeps us on track so that you have a half an hour podcast and not an hour one. But you might hear a ticking or a ringing sound when we're done. Yeah. Tell us if that's distracting. Please. Or if it's funny. But it, <laughs> it might just interrupt us at the right time. So yeah. So uh, like another, a guest on our show. We are continuing to talk about cohabitation living together before marriage and what God's word says about this. And in particular, we want to talk about what might somebody do if they're living in that cohabitation situation and by the Holy Spirit, they have been convicted that, oh, this isn't right. This Mm. isn't pleasing to God. Uh, What might they do? What might be next steps? What would be a way to respond? Um, Yeah. And I think this is super important because as the church in general, we don't want to just say, hey, you guys are wrong. Right. You know, and Jesus never does that, right? He doesn't. He, he gives us a way out. Right. He gives us any helps. He f- it's like the, um, you know, the parable of the, the Good Samaritan. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my favorite parts of that, it's like, okay, yeah, the guy gets beat up and kind of the two guys walk by, the Samaritan picks him up. But not only does he get him out of that situation of death, mm-hmm. which sin is leading to death, but he also pays for his rehabilitation. Yeah, he, he does. takes him to a hotel. He pays, and he says, oh, "At his own I'll come expense." Back. Yeah. yeah, and I, that's the way that we want um, our Lord to treat us. That's the way He does treat us, and that's the mm-hmm. way the church needs to think about ways to treat people. Is okay. We're going to, yeah, yes, we're going to tell you the truth, uh, God's truth to you, but we're also going to pay for your rehabilitation. We're going to give your you help. resources and yeah. help out. So I, I hope we can find good ways to do that. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, because, you know, we don't just say, oh, hey, this is wrong. Well, there's two ways we can err. And so the way we typically err on this topic is we just don't talk about it. 
yeah. and we kind of cut some corners and call it good, yeah. which really does a disservice to people in their relationship and their spiritual growth. Hmm. Uh, or we can be like, hey, that's wrong. You shouldn't do that. Yeah. But really the, the, the way of Jesus is to come alongside somebody and encourage them. And encouragement means that you're pointing somebody to the right place to go, but you're coming alongside them to help them and yeah. give them comfort and guidance. That's the way of love. Yeah. And Jesus does that for us through the, through the Holy Spirit, who is the comforter, the encourager. And we do that for each other. And so really, um, when we realize that there is um, something in our life, uh, uh, like a life situation we're in that is not pleasing to the Lord, uh, we as a church show the love of Christ by coming alongside somebody and helping them, shepherding them uh, to a way that's better, and uh, which does lead to some practical steps, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Speaking of practical steps, um, we almost forgot the joke of the day. Oh, shoot. This is important. So That's unacceptable. What do you call a monkey in a minefield? A monkey in a minefield? <laughs> a baboom. <laughs> a baboom. <laughs> Man. So watch your step. That's a good one, isn't it? That's a good one, yeah. <laughs> oh, you'll get laughs out of that. They should do a monkey-themed VBS, like different types of monkeys. Hmm. Like the characters can be like a chimpanzee yeah. and a baboon and like, a, and yeah. like a spider monkey. Yeah. Um, I, would, I would pay for that. <laughs> All right. So, so t- just I want to rehash a little bit yeah. this, this, the big concept. Why, as Christians, would we want to... Um, hold marriage in high regard um, and avoid cohabitation, right? Avoid um, sexuality before that public commitment and that gifting from God to us. And so first is if we look in Genesis, uh, we see a marriage. One of the first events in Genesis is God performing the first marriage. Mm -hmm. He brings Adam and Eve together, gifts them to each other. Adam's like singing, you know, and it's a beautiful moment. And this, and and then it says, therefore, uh, a man shall leave his mother and his father, and cling to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So this is the foundational event. Now, if we look at the end of the whole book, what do we see there? Another marriage. Yeah, yeah. So at the end, at the end of the book in Revelation, we see this marriage of uh, the Lamb of God, the bridegroom. And the bride, this new Jerusalem, the city, this um, people dressed, adorned as a bride for her husband mm-hmm. coming down. So we see this kind of now the bride is Jesus, the new Adam, and the church. And there's this symbolic beauty and unity to, and cohesion to this whole story. And then in the middle of that, we have the story of Jesus and his redemptive love. And Paul saying, um, hey, when you guys are wanting to get married... Um, as Christians, what you're doing, you have the insider information that what you're doing is you are imitating this grand picture Mm -hmm. and you're showing forth this into the world. And so it's sacred, right? It's not just pragmatic, it's sacred. It's not just a medieval institution that was designed to subjugate women or... Yeah, and it's beautiful. And this this is why brides wear white, you know, they come around the quarter and the, and the groom gets, you know, he sees that beautiful vision of his wife. And that moment's a really good moment of what Christ sees as he looks at his bride, the church, 
who he washed with his own blood and made her perfect and presented her to himself spotless. And so that's the kind of thing that we see uh, in the scripture. And so this, this really forms any ethic that we're going to develop is we are going to be imitating this picture with our relationship. And cohabitation, as well as other things we've addressed here, mm-hmm. don't fit that bill. Right. Now, one thing I want to clarify, too, is that when we talk about sexuality, we, we want to be clear that, um, that sexuality is a good thing. And, and I would say that the Christian faith has the most positive view of sexuality, hands down, mm-hmm. of any religion or philosophy of the world. Uh, because designed by God to be enjoyed, to be rejoiced in. There sh- and, and I say that because sometimes in the church there is shame with sexuality where, where there ought not be. And um, certainly sexuality is, is a beautiful gift from God to be celebrated, to be reverenced. But um, also I want to just say a word for those who are living in a cohabitating situation and probably being sexually active, um, that... Uh, the goal here is not shame. The goal here is is repentance. And the cool thing about repentance is there's no regret mm. with repentance. Nobody ever reg- regrets repentance in the long run. Mm, and, yeah, yeah. and and Jesus, Jesus isn't a savior who rubs your nose in it and says bad. Yeah, like he he reveals to us where we've messed up, but but then he is always working to restore and to heal, so that you know you can come to that marriage day brand new start, you know, Yeah. Um, because repentance always gives us a brand new start. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, Hebrews says, you know, let the marriage bed be undefiled, mm-hmm. giving instructions to the Christians, you know, like, don't let this bed be defiled. And we could say people who commit adultery, you know, people who cheat on their spouses or people who cohabitate are defiling that bed, right? But in the light of Christ, uh, he clears all of that. He yeah. bears the shame. He does. He gets defiled. Yeah. Right? So that he, we can once again present each other. Uh, he can present us as gifts to each other. Right? Yeah. And then our bodies, you know, St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7 that, you know, our bodies are then for our spouses as gifts. Um, and we are called into that life of service again. So there is new starts. And yeah. you can claim that beauty. Um, and claim that that innocence again because of what Jesus has done. Right, yeah, yeah. And uh, this is especially uh, an important message for people who maybe had multiple partners in high school, in college, mm-hmm. even in middle school, mm-hmm. you know, who yeah. had just multiple partners and they've, they've really, um, they've, they've experienced sexuality in, in, in a lot of different directions. And, and the good news of the gospel is that Jesus forgives completely, restores and heals and offers you a completely brand new start as you look towards marriage. And so yep. I think this is a good first point to emphasize. So what's the first thing that you do when, you, when you're in this situation? You've been cohabitating for a week, a month, a year, a decade. Uh, I think the first thing is just to confess to, mm. to God and say, God, I agree with you that you're right and that I'm wrong, and I'm sorry, and I'm asking for the mercy that you have given to me in Jesus Christ, and, and I pray for forgiveness, and yeah. there is forgiveness completely. And so I would say first, rejoice in that repentance. Yeah. Um, that yeah. rejoice that God loves you enough to get your attention mm. and call you back home to himself. 
Yeah, because yeah, the truth is there is there's always damage with sin. The best time to repent is yesterday, right? It's yeah. immediately because yeah. there's always damage for you or for the people you love or the people in the future generations. And so let's trust God that he has our best in mind and be spared from the consequence of sin. Mm-hmm. Um, be spared from the penalties that come from, from sin and rejoice in our Heavenly Father giving us good directions. And, and knowing that, that, that this repentance is for the good of your relationship too in the long run. Um, you know, I've had conversations with many couples who've been cohabitating and there's been a few times where it went south where, the, where maybe the person said, you know what, I'm going to go find the, the rent-a-pastor. You know, <laughs> yeah. The guy who's just going to, he's just going to marry me, no questions asked. He's an Elvis impersonator yeah, during, uh, the, during the week. But yep. yeah. But, uh, but usually the discussions are really good. And, and there's a realization that, hey, you know what? We, we have been going the wrong direction. And maybe we just didn't even know. I've had couples who yep. said, I didn't even know. Yep. Maybe they're new to the church or maybe they have been disconnected from the church for a long time. Or sometimes they'll be like, you know, I knew better, but I, I went against that. Yeah, because there were so many good worldly reasons to yeah, do so. Yeah, there are so many yeah. just reasons to do it. And, and um, when I have that conversation... Um, I think a light bulb comes on and, and there is this openness to say, you know, okay, so now what, what do we do now? Um, yeah. Repentance is always going to look weird to the world. Yep. doesn't make sense. And, and when Jesus moves into us, when he, I mean, he doesn't cohabitate with us. Jesus like moves Mm -hmm. in to stay like Mm -hmm. marriage. Um, when he moves he's in, he's all in. Yeah, he's all in. He starts to kind of rearrange things in our lives, and he starts to he actually gets rid of some things and actually moves some new things in. Um, so, just listener, know that uh, that your pastors or whatever pastor you know you talk to, you know, is going to want to talk to you about what next in terms of practical steps. So, yeah, what might be some things that we we might suggest? Well, so I think absolutely crucial is if you've repented uh, and you are convinced that there's a better way, often it's a very complex next move. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the essential next move is you, you have to talk to your fiance, to your, your partner, um, and you have to get to the heart of the issue. And I would do that with a lot of prayer and mm-hmm. maybe with counsel and with a pastor. I, I pray that that partner is open to hear yeah or, or that you have come to this conclusion together as a couple that's the best scenario uh the worst case scenario probably is that the other partner wants nothing to do with it yeah but that's already kind of a good thing in a sense that you need to understand that red flag already if mm-hmm. you're a christian yeah if this person doesn't really want to allow Jesus to move into the relationship, then maybe it's not the right relationship. Yeah. Right. And you need to rethink that. Right. I mean, in the very practical issue is uh, if your hearts have different gods on the throne, right? Mm -hmm. There's always going to be conflict. Yeah. So I think that's the next step is you have to kind of face that, that dynamic. And Mm -hmm. I pray that that partner is open to it to say, man, this is, profound or maybe they struggle with it and they say yeah this is worth talking through but there needs to be that conversation because if we're not willing to listen to jesus on this matter 
then we won't listen to him on other things. Yeah, and so that's what I've said to couples is often this functions as a very uh, real test of faith mm -hmm. in, in young people's lives because the question is exactly that. Like, are you going to listen? Is Christ going to be the Lord of your marriage? And most of them will say, yes. Is he the Lord of your life right now? Mm -hmm. And if he's not, the, if you're going to say, oh, he'll be, he will be the Lord of my marriage, but he's not going to be the Lord of my engagement, or he's not going to be the, the Lord of my, my sexuality uh, boyfriend and girlfriend, this, my psych, yeah, my in body. This three months. It's yeah. like you're probably um, just jumping through rings to get what you want. Yeah. And that's not really how God works. So the first thing that I would suggest to a couple once they've had that real heart to heart conversation is I would ask them to think about possibilities of a different living arrangement. And sometimes this works really easy because sometimes the couple hasn't actually moved in together. Mm -hmm. Like they have plans to move in together. Uh, sometimes they are living together, but they could live with a roommate. They could live with a friend. They could live with a parent yep. or a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle. By the way, shout out to parents and grandparents. These young couples need your support. I mean, clean up that extra room in the basement, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, um, because you're honoring Jesus and the church and doing something good for this relationship um, if you allow them to live with you. In fact, I've even heard of churches where somebody in the church who's just a member of the church allows somebody to live with them. Yeah, almost as a particular ministry. Yeah, that. which is really a beautiful thing to do. Yeah. So there's obviously complicated things that that play into this. So for example, I think typically finances. Mm -hmm. And this is why people typically cohabitate, I think is it's a, it's a financial thing because young people are going through transitions. Like I just got my job and I'm moving here and I don't have a place to stay and I have like $80,000 in student loan debt yeah. and I need some place to stay. So there is that financial sacrifice. Mm -hmm. But I would say this, we pour a whole bunch of money into things that we love. We pour money into kids going to college. We pour money into, you know, hobbies and sports. We, we pour money into our relationship. Uh, we make all kinds of financial sacrifices for the sake of what we love. Would we not make a financial sacrifice, even take a cut financially for the one who loves us beyond words? Right? Yeah. And, and again, to be a repentant any person is going to make you look weird. Yeah. But it's also going to be a beautiful um, witness. It's like, why are you guys spending 600 extra bucks a month? Yeah. You know, it's like, because we love Jesus. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a huge witness. And, uh, you know, it looks weird to the world. But in God's economy, it makes total sense. Yeah. Because we talk about, you know, time is money, you know. Sure. That you can't put a price tag on certain things. Yeah. Well, same thing with repentance, right? Mm. Um, I think of Zacchaeus, who his repentance in Luke chapter 19 was a very visible, Lord, I, a, a third of what I own, I give to the poor. And if I defrauded, robbed anybody, yeah. if I defrauded them, I'll give, them, give it back. Four times. Four times. Yeah. yeah, that's... His bank account went down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he had the joy of being called the son of Abraham. Yeah, and his, his righteousness before the world went up. Yeah. yeah right. And his repentance was obvious. So the other kind of piece, we, we have talked about this a little bit too, um, that we that this church, Holy Cross, is willing to help mm -hmm. with finances. If, yeah. if finances truly are, hey, I'm, I'm not going to eat next month, right? Or we're going to have such a dire straits trying to figure out all, the, all of our expenses. Well, we can help you for a time. 
Yeah, we do have a benevolence fund, and we, in that fund, we use it to help people who maybe can't make the mortgage, or they can't make the car payment, or they lost their job, or they need food. And I think a wonderful use of the benevolence fund is to say, let's, let's help somebody with repentance. So maybe they need a place to live for three months. We'll help you with that. Um, if you if you really can't swing it financially because it's the job of the church to come alongside you like right. the good Samaritan right and and help you yeah now we're probably gonna put some parameters on that like uh, we're not talking about your wedding in two years <laughs> yeah right which you know like I don't see any is is there a good reason to be engaged for two years oh it's miserable. It's miserable. I mean, if you're trying to be faithful to the Lord, that sounds like a big struggle bus. Yeah. May, well, my wife and I, we, we moved up our, our, our wedding because we were like, why are we waiting another six months again? And so we were to be engaged for a year and we, we shortened it to six months. Yeah. And that was the best decision. Because honestly, like a wedding doesn't need to be a $20,000 affair, yeah. you know. You need a pastor and some pizza. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Just get, get everybody together. Yeah. You know? They used to tack them into uh, church services. That is true. They just put it right in the middle of the, the Sunday service. We have a friend up in Seattle who uh, actually did a, a wedding a few years back um, during the church service, like we would do a new member welcome. <laughs> he said, yeah. all right, y'all come up, and I'm going to marry you guys, and then we'll say our prayers and go home. Awesome. Yeah. I actually did one of those, too. So this is actually, I'll tell this story. This is one of my favorite weddings I've ever done and one of the most beautiful uh, this elderly couple with severe health issues had moved in together uh, because they were dating, but also mm-hmm. because they, like he he was debilitated and needed. They were help. taking care of each other. Yeah, but, yeah. But it, uh, when I talked to them, they were both faithful Christians. But the, one of the realities was they really were giving a bad witness to what marriage is because mm-hmm. they were kind of acting it like husband and wife. Yeah, <laughs> they were together. Um, but they, they heard that, and they thought about it, and they decided we're going to get married. And so they got married in the middle of a church service, and they stood up in their pew because he, could, he was in a walker. He couldn't kind of transverse very well. So he stood up in their pew, and uh, we had, I, I walked over to the front of the pews and did the wedding, and um, everyone cheered. They kissed. It was beautiful. And what was kind of interesting about that is they really didn't have any financial or worldly reason to do that. Mm. except for they wanted to show their faithfulness to the Lord and a good example to their kids and their grandkids. Yeah. And it was cool. That's beautiful, man. Yeah. Tear up here. I know, right? <laughs> you know, and, so, that actually and that's is the a good beauty of the, the Lord loves to see. Yeah. That's, yeah. A, that's a good segue to maybe another possible option is, you know, if couples are cohabitating and the finances are all intertwined and and, and all that. And maybe um, there's children. Maybe there's children yeah. too, because you know we don't want to tear apart that secure connection that that families have. Like it, it doesn't make a lot of sense if dad doesn't live with us for six months to kids. I mean, I think couples can weather that, but I don't think that mm-hmm. that kids weather that well. And so, in that case, if you're already living as you're married, I'll marry you next weekend. You're right. I'll do it at church. I'll do it Friday night. I'll do it whenever you want to do it. I'll do it Saturday. Get your friends and relatives together. Maybe have a real huge party next week or next month or next year. Yeah, or when you maybe had planned your wedding. Yeah, or maybe when you had planned the wedding. And I'll even show up and do like a 
a, a re-celebration. I'm not going to mm -hmm. remarry you because mm -hmm. you get married once. But yeah, but renew your vows even. Uh, yeah, we can, we can come and celebrate that within the context of an actual service. Mm -hmm. And if you want to, you can even go down to the courthouse and get married because that's completely valid. Mm -hmm. um, so sometimes we can just move the wedding up. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think that's a great option. I've seen uh, couples wrestle with that one. Um, mm -hmm. some, so, and, and it has revealed to me um, a bit of an idol because sometimes it's that day. It's they the day want, of the They wedding. don't want anything to ruin that day. They, they want it to be, they want to pretend like it's completely pure as the driven snow, right? That day they're going to say their vows and they're going to wear white and they're going to, and it's going to be a legit wedding. And it's like, well, we need to rectify or reconcile with the, the reality that it's never going to be a, com a completely legit wedding unless you have repentance. Uh, and yeah. usually they don't want that. And that's so I, that, that's been revealed to me. That's that a good day. point to bring up too, because sometimes I think couples might say, and I, I think I've been guilty of this as a pastor, is I've thought, well, if we just get them married, then there's no sin issue here. Yeah, right. And, and so really that's not true. Like if you're cohabitating and that's not pleasing to the Lord and then you get married, it doesn't mean that everything's cool. That's like, if you have been, you know, like cheating on your wife and then you just stop cheating and you right. say it's cool because yeah, I stopped. Right. Well, no, I mean, there needs to be repentance there. There needs to be a change of heart and a change of relationship, forgiveness, reconciliation, because really it comes down to the attitude of the heart, right? Mm -hmm. So, Which is what God looks at. Yeah, and, and so even if, so we may have listeners who, maybe you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I lived with my spouse 10 years ago mm -hmm. wh when we got married. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that was wrong, or maybe I kind of brushed it aside. And or we, we just got hitched, yeah. you know, kind of figured it out. And, and maybe I didn't really pay attention to that as a sin issue. But, um, but hey, great opportunity right now just to repent and to ask God for forgiveness. Yeah. I, I've, had, I've had people, you know, come to me and confess those sins long after the fact, and, and they just are able then to walk in the joy of God's forgiveness. Yeah. And it really strengthens the confidence they have in their marriage right now. And it also gives them uh, this luxury that they can actually legitimately teach their kids. Because yeah. it's like, okay, now your kids are cohabitating, and maybe you don't approve, but you did it. And so you feel like, I can't say anything. It's just you know the way things go right now. Well, you can joyfully repent and say, look, I did that too. Yeah. And God worked on my heart and showed me. And I, I beg you to just see things through his eyes. Yeah. Because I don't want you to go through that same guilt and problem that I did. And I think about Zacchaeus, for example. Like Zacchaeus was a tax collector. He took people's money. But then he repented very visibly. And I can't imagine Zacchaeus saying, you know, I can't tell other tax collectors not to take people's money because <laughs> I did <laughs> yeah, that. Right, that's right. Like Zacchaeus repented. And that repentance was the end of his old life and an opportunity to invite other people into a new life. And, and so I think that if, you, if you've cohabitated and, and your kids or your grandkids are now, you can talk about your own repentance. Mm -hmm. Because honestly, I think one of the, the, the greatest resources to help with this issue is parents and grandparents and family members. Because sometimes pastors and churches don't say anything Sometimes I think moms and dads and grandparents don't say anything because they're like, we don't want to upset things, but, yeah. you know. And you're adults. You're adults. Oftentimes, you know. Yeah, but I, I think it's so loving. The real definition of love is that if you 
say to your kids or grandkids, hey, I, I, I love you, but I don't approve of this. How can I help you do something different? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, it's true that the one who has been forgiven much loves much, right? Mm-hmm. So if, if we have been forgiven our sins, you know, the love of the Lord uh, in our hearts will be evident because we say, yeah, I, I was doing the same thing. Yeah. And he forgave me. He can forgive you. He loves you more than I do. <laughs> and so. just a, a message to parents and grandparents. We as pastors, we want to be faithful to Christ. Like, we're not in this as hired hands. Like, we're not in this just, you know, to make a living. We're not in this just to be at peace all the time. Mm. We're in this because we care about the sheep. We care about uh, the, the task the Good Shepherd's given us of shepherding people's souls and their eternal welfare and, and the the joy of their married life together. That's mm-hmm. what we care about. Mm-hmm. It is oftentimes I've found that sometimes the resistance and the pushback and the heat that I get for being faithful on this issue doesn't come from the kids getting married. It comes from parents and grandparents or even other church mm-hmm. members. Mm-hmm. Like they will sometimes put pressure on me to not make this an issue. To just push it through. And that's unfortunate because then we're silencing the mouth of Jesus, right, as a community. And we're, we're stunting people's spiritual growth. Mm. And we're really making our pastor's lives very difficult. And so yeah. <laughs> just a shout out, like, hey, parents, um, grandparents, church members, if you could really support us in this um, in the years ahead, that would just be gold. Yeah, it's not our, it's not our words. It's the Lord's words, right? Yeah. This is the Lord's community. It's the Lord's church. Yeah, and, um, and Scripture gives us the promise, you know, we talk about the promises of God. Well, there is a promise f- that we hear from Paul in, in his one of his letters to Timothy that anybody who aspires to live a godly life will suffer. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that suffering takes place at the hands of the church, you know, mm. unfortunately. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I do think that ultimately our goal, what do, you know, I mean, what do we want for these, uh, these people looking to start an int- intimate relationship? Yeah. I would just say, do you recognize the magnitude of the gift that God wants to give you? Yeah. And when you yeah. when you take that gift in the way that he desires you to have it, I mean it's going to blow you away how great it yeah. is. Cuz it's, you know, God wants to give you not just sex. Mm-hmm. He wants to give you uh, a wife, a husband. He wants to give you children. He wants to give you grandchildren that still believe the same as you do and he love. He wants to give you a faith yeah. passed down through the generations. Right, and a, and a yeah. legacy. He wants to give you more than a romantic comedy. There you go. <laughs> well said. Or a Disney movie. Yeah, something more profound. And he wants yes. to give you a glimpse of the gospel in your married life. <laughs> wow. Well, that's, yeah, that was perfect. That w- did, if that you, did you hear our timer just went off? <laughs> and I think that it was good timing. So, yeah. Uh, to wrap it up here, uh, just really want to encourage people to continue to, to think about this, to pray about this, to converse with your pastors. Like, you know, um, we are striving and praying for our joy as a community when it comes to marriage. And, and so really my prayer, my heart is just that, that, you know, we continue to bear witness to this generation, but that the next generation that comes along is gonna is gonna know God's word on this. Yeah, and they're, and they're, they're gonna not be confused. They're not gonna be confused. They're gonna be ready um, because it's so important. So. Mm-hmm.